Hello, you're listening to a Medieval Madness podcast. To see the accompanying visuals, please check out our YouTube channel. Cheers! People of the Middle Ages didn't tend to have quite as high a life expectancy as we do nowadays, and we're about to look into one of the many reasons why. In today's episode, we're going to be looking at weird medieval drugs and remedies. Welcome to Medieval Madness. In the Middle Ages, most people never saw a doctor. Peasants would normally visit a cunning woman or a monk who would provide them with some sort of herbal remedy, as well as prayer. The few physicians that were available would only treat the rich. Disease was thought to be caused by the imbalance of the four humours, black bile, yellow bile, blood, and phlegm. The prevention of illness and the preservation of one's health also required the regulation of one's emotions, food and drink, exercise and rest. This balance could be maintained with a healthy lifestyle and the use of what were mainly botanical drugs. The opium poppy is the source of opiates such as morphine and heroin. It has been cultivated for centuries. The farming of opium poppies is known to have taken place in Mesopotamia 3400 BC. The Sumerians referred to it as the joy plant. It was grown in ancient China, Persia, Egypt, and Greece. Known for its effective properties of pain relief, it was used to help people with insomnia and even to calm crying children. In 1095, Pope Urban sent out a call across Western Europe to retake Jerusalem from Muslim rule. Hundreds of thousands of men joined the cause of this religious war, and in the summer of 1099, reclaimed the holy city as their own. For the next 200 years, more crusades were fought in the Holy Land, with crusaders bringing home all sorts of exotic items such as silk, spices, and exotic fruits. Incredible stories of Eastern potions also began to spread, potions that were said to induce undreamed of delights and superhuman bravery. So although opium was already known to medieval Europeans, it was the returning crusaders who really made the drug popular. Magic Mushrooms this superhuman strength was also noted in the mention of the Scandinavian berserkers, who are thought to have consumed hallucinogenic mushrooms before going into battle. They were an elite brand of warriors who lived during the Viking Age between the 8th and 11th centuries. They often wore wolf or bearskin so that their allies would know who they were in the battlefield and would stay out of their way. Berserkers were unable to tell friend from foe when they were under the influence, and an unimaginable fury came over them. The rage began with shivering and teeth chattering, then their face would swell up and change colour. A tremendous frenzy would come upon them and they would howl like wild animals. They would bite the edge of their own shields in anger. Then they would kill any man that they saw until the fighting was over. Afterwards, the berserker would feel lethargic and become weak in the mind for several days. There are no records that can tell us specifically what drug was used, if any, but a type of mushroom called Amanita muscaria was common in Scandinavia at that time. These mushrooms are known to have a hallucinogenic effect when eaten. In Furkat, Denmark, the grave of a high-ranking woman was found which contained seeds from the henbane plant. Although poisonous in large doses, henbane is also a hallucinogen when taken in smaller quantities. It should also be noted that drinking alcohol was a fundamental part of Viking culture. Even their gods drank heavily. They mostly drank ale, but mead was especially prized. 
Attempts to recreate Viking alcohol have produced a brew that was sweet and malty. It was also particularly strong with a volume of 9%. It's not difficult to see how this drink could easily become addictive. The Theriac The Black Death of the 14th century was shocking in terms of deaths. Coming out of Central Asia and sweeping along the Silk Roads, it is estimated to have killed somewhere between 75 and 200 million people by the 1350s. The ravages of the disease affected all parts of the late medieval world. But the aftermath of the Black Death brought with it some surprising changes in the social order of medieval Europe. The sheer volume of deaths raised wages for the survivors, meaning that the standard of living also rose. Many migrated from the countryside to the towns and cities. Merchants were becoming more rich and more powerful in the Italian city-states and in the northern Low Countries. Even London, which was once a minor player for European trade, was now a busy port. It was also a turning point in Europe for the advancement of medicine, and an opium-based mixture, known as a theriac or treacle, became one of the main treatments used by the plague doctors as a prevention against the plague and other diseases. A theriac was a compound medicine, a blend of many different ingredients, some contained up to 80. Several of the ingredients had medicinal properties, whilst others were there to balance the humours, and it contained large quantities of opium. The theories of the ancient Greek physician Galen were highly regarded during this time, as he had formulated a theriac which helped victims of the Antonine Plague, which began during the 2nd century CE. The most famous theriac invented in antiquity was probably that of Andromachus, the personal physician to the Emperor Nero. It contained herbals, minerals, poisons, the blood and flesh of animals, all mixed together with honey to form a jam-like substance. It was said to cure various illnesses, such as migraines, hearing loss, sight loss, and even rabies, because it cured, quote, the bite of serpents, mad dogs, and wild beasts, as well as headaches, coughing, and diarrhea. One of the main symptoms of the plague included the swelling of the lymph nodes into large, extremely painful lumps known as buboes. This pain was greatly alleviated by the use of the theriac, but would not have had any influence over whether a patient lived or died. The concoctions were very complex and took days to prepare, and their exotic constituents were too expensive to be brought by common men. One recipe of the time lists ground coral, viper's flesh, cinnamon, and myrrh among its ingredients. The Black Death created an obsession with health, and apothecary shops began to pop up all over Europe, but theriac was highly habit-forming, and during the 14th century, the selling of opiates and laxatives became regulated in France, because they were so addictive and dangerous to take. Physicians and surgeons were sent around to inspect the quality of the theriac made by the apothecaries at their shops. During the 12th century, theriac was being made in Venice and widely exported to the rest of Europe. In England, it was known as Venetian treacle. Theriac was so effective that it was thought to have magical qualities, which would also echo the stories that came back with the Crusaders from the Middle East. Many medieval manuscripts refer to an opium-based drink, called a dwale, which was said to leave a person unconscious. It was usually consistent in the type of ingredients that were used, as well as alcohol, benign herbals such as bryony root, boar bile, lettuce, and vinegar were mixed with the more dangerous opium poppy sap and the highly poisonous hemlock juice, mandrake root, and henbane. A few spoonfuls of the herb would be boiled in water with small amounts of the other more dangerous ingredients before being added to wine. This powerful mix was given to a patient who was told to drink the concoction until he fell asleep. 
Hopefully the doctor would be able to operate before the unconscious patient woke up. That's if the drugged wine didn't kill him in the first place. Strange Treatments The use of dead bodies in medicine dates back as far as ancient Egypt, where powdered mummies were used in remedies. The Romans would eat the organs of dead gladiators and drink their blood, as it was thought that the soul of the deceased would be imparted into the patient. In medieval times, human fat was boiled down and rendered before being made into an ointment for arthritis or gout. Apothecaries used ingredients such as powdered skulls to treat a headache, epilepsy, and even strokes. A type of moss called usnea, which grows in graveyards, was also added to some medicines and is now known to boost the immune system. Another strange item used in medicines is animal feces. Greek white, which is the white coating on dried dog muck, was used for sore throats, tonsillitis, and diseases of the lungs. When applied externally, it was thought to dissolve growths and swellings. The dung from other animals also had its uses. Mice droppings were used to treat intestinal worms. In the 1300s, sheep manure was used to treat jaundice, and oxen dung was thought to cure a fever. The more exotic excrement of a crocodile or elephant were sometimes called in for the making of an expensive theriac, but the most common facial ingredients to be found on an apothecary's shelf were those of the cow, horse, or dog. Urine is another nasty ingredient that has been used to make medicine in the Middle Ages. Soldiers have gladly urinated on one another's wounds to clean them up on the battlefield for centuries. Apothecaries sold distilled urine at their stores. By drawing on the ideas of Pliny the Elder, fresh urine was recommended by medieval physicians for the treatment of sores, burns, and affections of the anus. Following the teaching of the Four Humours, as well as examining blood and feces, urine was especially useful in diagnosing medieval illness. Physicians used uroscopy as a diagnostic tool. They would have a urine wheel, which was basically a chart divided into several different parts each one showing the urine in a different colour. But the physician would also go further and not only smell, but taste the patient's urine as well, as each colour combined with a certain odour and flavour meant a distinct diagnosis. European physicians used the urine wheel and uroscopy into the 19th century, and chemical analysis of urine is still used today as a diagnostic tool, although tasting is no longer allowed. If you see a doctor doing this, please do tell someone. Remedies for sore throats were equally as unpleasant. Snail syrup was a traditional treatment in the Middle Ages. The recipe stated that a pound of garden snails had to be collected early in the morning whilst the dew was still on the grass. The shells could be removed and the snails must be cut open and placed in a bag with half a pound of sugar. The bag should then be hung over a bowl to collect the mucus as the snails dissolved. The mixture could also be used for internal ulcers and coughs, as well as externally for burns and wounds. A company based in Chile still sell cough syrup containing the glutinous essence of snails. A more serious throat infection called Quinsy was a complication of tonsillitis and was more common in the Middle Ages because of the lack of antibiotics. One pretty weird and disgusting remedy to cure it was to, <clears throat> quote, take a fat cat and flay it well, clean and draw out the guts, Take the grease of a hedgehog and the fat of a bear and resins of fenugreek and sage and gum of honeysuckle and virgin wax. Crumble all of this up and stuff the cat with it as you would a goose. Roast it all and gather the grease and rub it onto the patient. There were many other strange and wonderful drugs and treatments available at this time. 
from using what we now regard as Class A drug to cure the plague, to wearing donkey skins to alleviate rheumatism. Swallowing young frogs was thought to cure asthma, and consuming nine lice mixed with ale would cure jaundice. It's no wonder that during the Middle Ages, most people were lucky to live past their 40th birthday. Thank you once again for watching this episode of Medieval Madness. Please do join me and all of our feline friends in thanking modern medicine, especially in the current state of the world. We do hope you enjoyed this episode, please do leave a like and a comment if so, and subscribe if you want to see more, we do release videos every week. Thank you, and I'll see you soon. Cheers!